I want you to relax. Just take it easy. You can get those angry expressions off your faces. Not that you don't have a right to wear them to some extent, but we're not going to have a confrontation. I'm not going to finger wag. We're not going to browbeat you. We're not going to scold you. What I'm going to do is explain what happened last week. What we did last week was an initiation. You guys paid for the transgressions of your season one predecessors. And I know you might feel it's not fair, but believe me when I say in the long run, it will make you stronger. It will make you better. We have to teach you. It's up to us to give you our knowledge and our experience on behalf of all the WWE pros. Are we cool? The future is now. Welcome back to another episode of Half K NXT. Your new boy, Nando O'Neill, joined by Larry the Axe. Yes. <laughs> I I will say I I know this other guy named Larry Knight, but I'm I'm maybe it's just being biased right now. I, I think I'm favoring this Larry the Axe guy a little bit more. I, I really think <laughs> the tag team of Larry the Axe and Nando O'Neill are just superior. Yeah. <laughs> in every sense. It's kind of like, you know, man, it's like when they had uh, La Familia and then they got like Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. It's like <laughs> one is totally better than the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> just a step up, just one step up better, mm, I will say. Yeah. One step in the right direction. Yes. <laughs> you know, those other guys, they were good, man. They had this raw talent, but we're just more, you know, textbook now yeah just We're, like just like the pairings of this season you know we got that buddy buddy connection that can't be topped you know what that's what it is one might say we are the mitch hunter and <laughs> max steiner of our generation but you know that's that's just me spitballing you know <laughs> yeah, yeah man shout out to the that dynamic duo themselves <laughs> shout out to the doom troopers baby yeah. What so wait, what was the story with that? It was playmates that Oh yeah, it was like it's a it's like a, a game kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. Oh right, right. It's a board it's a board Yeah, it's game. like a card game or a board game, but then uh the the Mutant Chronicles is like the game. Yeah. And then I think uh Doom Troopers was a spin-off of that. So they, they kind of took characters I think from the Mutant Chronicles mm. and spun it into this like eerily violent <laughs> video game that was just like I, I'm gonna look it up later I don't even know if this has a rating because it was really really violent man <laughs> it's gotta be at least like teen yeah <laughs> I, I just like playing it at our, at our buddy's house Mark where that was our game where we just played it for hours and hours because it was a hard game and you and I were trying to play it recently a couple of weeks ago, and we couldn't even go past the second or third. Bro, I just don't understand how we beat that back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah. Shout out to the Mutant Chronicles. <laughs> Doom Troopers. <laughs> oh, man. 
Well, welcome back to another episode. And yes, we are kicking off season two. This is episode two. And uh, yeah, if uh, for some reason you have not, or if this is your first time checking us out, we do have season one available in our archived episodes. They are available on Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, and we're now also available on Google Podcasts. So Ooh. I think that's only exclusive to Android users. But if you uh, already use Google Podcasts, feel free to check us out there as well. Check us out everywhere, baby. We're indiscriminate to your operating systems. Come mm. on, man. Bring it down. Yes. Did you want to kick us off with the venue facts for episode 17? Mm, yes, I can. So, like, this is on June 15th, 2010, at the RBC Center mm. in Raleigh, North Carolina. North Carolina. I- Come on and raise up. Take your shirt off. <laughs> Spin around here like a helicopter. I swear they've already been to North Carolina in the last three months, but I could be wrong. <laughs> You know, I feel like that about a lot of areas. You ever just watch WWE? You're like, I could have sworn I was yeah. just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some areas, it just seems like they are always in. And North Carolina is one of them. Yeah, yeah. North Carolina, of course, New York. I feel like Philly. they're always in Fresno. Fresno. Like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always. So true. This is so true because I always get the emails. Because, you know, I've bought tickets once and now I'm subscribed for life. Mm -hmm. And whenever I see it, I get a little excited because uh, I think, well, they're going to do the California run. But no, they literally just hit Fresno. They'll hit Fresno and leave. Yeah, yeah. Fresno is a hotbed for wrestling, apparently. (laughs) So, yeah, I I get upset because now I'm programmed to think, well, okay, they're going to go to Fresno. But that doesn't mean they're actually going to come. Exactly. (laughs) They will go to Fresno way before they come to the Bay Area. Yeah. And when they do, they might just mess around and go to Stockton yeah. and Sacramento and not even hit the Bay Area. Yeah, They'll yeah, hit yeah. all these little like pockets around us and not us. just <laughs> not even hit us. I don't know what it is. Me, you know what it is? Probably it's that high ass rent, man. Mm-hmm. It probably costs a grip to rent out the Coliseum yeah. for like events and stuff. I'm surprised that they got the the new uh, Warriors Stadium so so quickly. You know, man, they the WWE loves to christen new places though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's true. Watch once. Uh, I can't wait till the WrestleMania in Vegas. Mm-hmm. They're gonna do it for the Raider the Raiders Stadium probably, and then yeah. they're probably gonna do maybe in other years to come. They'll do um once LA gets their new stadium built. Mm-hmm. They they always get those hard ons for uh, new stadiums, so we should have some WrestleManias in our area coming up. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that they would do. Maybe they're just doing a test run. What what's the what's the arena called again? The the new Warriors one, the the Chase Arena, I believe. Chase Arena, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I I wouldn't doubt that that's why they're doing this upcoming Raw and SmackDown run later in the fall, where they're probably just setting it up to test out if they want to do maybe a survivor series or SummerSlam or something like mm-hmm. that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I think I think we could we can hold something like that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, we start off with a recap of last week's episode and kind of what I had told you last week. I I really honestly believe that the producers are now ribbing Zack Ryder <laughs> because they purposely purposely put in the clip and he's the only one where they insert the clip of him introducing his rookie, but he calls Titus O'Neil his pro. So I think he wanted to say 
bro, uh, but it came out as pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now they're yeah they're really just ribbing him at this point. <laughs> so yeah, in case you missed last week's episode, we both agreed that the WWE did a really good job of getting over the concept of this season right off the bat. So Stryker said that this season will be a little bit different where the pros evaluation will only count for 50% and the other 50% will be from the WWE universe and they will vote on WWE.com that season two will only be 12 weeks long in three weeks time, or in this case in two weeks time, they will do the first pros poll and in five weeks time, they will do the first elimination. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. They, kind of gave us the ground rules right off the bat. So the first segment, we have Matt Stryker kind of, uh, yeah, introducing both the rookies and pros separately based on the actions of last week where the closing segment last week was all the pros except Lay Cool attacking <laughs> the, the, well, kind of, they, they slapped their own cabal. They kind of like started. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I guess assault. Yeah. So they pretty much initiated the rookies by attacking them and making sure that they didn't follow suit with their season one predecessors. And so right now they're kind of starting off the show with a little bit of suspension because we don't know if they're going to fight back or if the pros are actually going to attack them again to prove another point. But they all make their way down to the ring. And yeah, at this point, Stryker kind of tells the rookies you know why they had done it, but he wanted the pros to actually tell the rookies to uh, explain their action, so to speak. So I had here that uh, striker says that, you know, MVP, why don't you explain it to the kids? Why, uh, why you did what you did. So I did a quick Google mm, me mm, segment mm. here. <laughs> Come on, man. Google me. I was very curious on why he had called them kids. <laughs> and yeah, so starting off with The Miz and Alex Riley, and I'm only doing the ages uh, based on their age at that at era. That time. At yeah. that time. So just add another nine years when I <laughs> list out these ages. Mm-hmm. So at that point, The Miz was 30, and Riley was only a year younger than him at 29. Okay. So, uh, so now if you want to keep tally of if that call was justified in him calling them kids, we'll give the pros one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the team of the Miz and Eli, this one shocked me. So Morrison at that point was 29 and Eli was already 36. Mm-hmm. So Morrison, or I should say pro has one rookies have one. <laughs> Cody is uh 25. So I, you know, I thought he was a lot older, but, Nah, he was he was a baby. Yeah, when yeah he got yeah. signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what him and Harris are like the same age, right? So Harris was actually twenty three. He's actually the baby of the entire. Oh wow! Okay, of the entire group for season two. So we have uh, the pros at two, and so this one is going to get a half point because Michelle McCool is thirty, Layla is thirty three. Yep, she was older, and Caval uh, is thirty one. So he kind of falls in the middle. All right. So we'll give them a half point for each one. Mark Henry, of course, I knew this one was going to be on the pro side where Mark Henry at this point was 39 and Lucky Cannon is also 23. Okay. And uh, 
Kofi at this point is 29 and Mr. McGillicuddy is 31. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, they're either either McGillicuddy's older or they're about the same age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, MVP is 37. So I believe he is the oldest pro from the group here. And Percy Watson is 29. Zack Ryder is also 25 with Cody. And Titus is 33 at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, he's a grown man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So at that point, other than the half point that we gave, the pros only get a four to three advantage. So technically, Stryker was right, but they're not they're not kids at this point. They're all pretty much peers. No, like, they're definitely not kids. These are peers. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are just some people who got signed. Or it's kind of like. When you had them dudes in the NBA who got drafted out of high school, mm-hmm. and then you have these guys who came out of college, but the guys who came out of high school will have been in the NBA for three years, and this dude just kind of came out of college, but they're the same age. Yeah, yeah This yeah. dude's a veteran, but this guy's a rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute, dude. I'm way older than you. Or like, you know, I'm we're the same age or something like that. It's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was... I know it was kind of a tangent, but I just wanted to really dig deep deeper into that one comment for some no, reason. No, yeah, I saw that for sure because the first person I looked up was Eli Cottonwood because I was like, I wonder how old he is because yeah. I already knew that Titus was already up there. I was like, you're not calling him a kid. Come yeah, on, yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> if anything, wait, let me look at this again. Yeah, Stryker and Eli are the same age. So man, the- come on, <laughs> Kids. <laughs> so MVP kind of tells the rookies to, you know, just relax. Don't, you know, don't, don't look angry. I know what happened last week is a little bit confusing, but just hear us out. He tells the rookies that, you know, there was no animosity between them, that what happened last week was basically an initiation and that uh, initiation, I should say Uh that. uh, But he would be lying if he said that there wasn't an underlying message for, for, for that attack. And unfortunately, they have to pay the price for their season one predecessors and, you know, he asked the rookies if they can honestly move forward and work together and was saying, you know, are we cool? So, you know, the rookies hesitantly, but then after a while do comply and they both kind of both teams kind of handshake and kind of give each other the half hug kind of mm-hmm. thing. Hug, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I like I said, I, I think we both agreed last week that the closing segment wasn't our favorite. But at least they kind of wrapped it up and didn't really uh, they they wrapped it up early at the beginning of the episode. So this doesn't really keep reoccurring throughout the the episode moving forward. So I did like it that they kind of just nipped it in the bud, so to speak. Yeah, I always forgot uh, how smooth MVP is was. Oh, on the mic. Like on the microphone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, uh, you know what? I actually really didn't like MVP at first because mm-hmm. he had that like long sleeves and like trunks look and I just wasn't with it. Yeah. This was not with this whole like, why are you wearing shorts down there and long sleeves up here? It seems impractical for a wrestler. Yeah. So I wasn't with that. And uh, I I just didn't, for some reason, I didn't like his jump house entrance when he had that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think, and kind of like I had mentioned last time where I didn't really watch too much of his matches because I wasn't following SmackDown uh, that in-depth during his era. And so. you know what? The biggest thing that I just... I'm not going to lie to you right now that I didn't like about MVP is the fact that Silk the Shocker did his theme song. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> why did they do MVP like that? Yeah. Like, come on, blood. 
All right, that's getting uh, played as the outro music automatically because I, oh, for- <laughs> I had forgot about the whole stuff. Nope, I just because once you mentioned the little blow up thing, I was like, there's something else that was stupid about that. It was the music, it was yeah. a ticking clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it would go, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> Silk the Shocker. Mark Henry got 3 6 Mafia. You got stuck with Silk the Shocker. Yeah, yeah. Played you, player. <laughs> you got played. <laughs> So yeah, after that, then Striker then pulls Alex Riley and Caval and tells him to step forward and goes back to his GM role <laughs> and says that yeah, they are going to you know show what they can show what they can do and they're going to have a one on one match right now. And I don't know if you caught this. Even Josh mm-hmm. says that you know these rookies aren't kids. <laughs> so I really like Josh. Josh is going to get an extra point for me later on, but he already gets an extra point for me just for this comment alone. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, first impressions mean so much. Those two rookies have the opportunity to make good first impressions coming up next. Well, will bygones be bygones? And these eight NXT rookies are kids. One of them will be the WWE's next breakout star. Stryker is like the super omni lord of this whole thing secretly. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of them like uh, twisted movies where you watch it and then like everybody's like, oh man, that host dude, he's so weird, but he's secretly running the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like little do you know, I'm the mastermind of this whole thing. Thought yeah. I was just the host. He's like a stripped down version of Vince McMahon because everybody thought he was just a commentator for oh, years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Vince. It just turned out that he was like the boss. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's the Vince of NXT <laughs> in disguise. Yep. So it's like everybody thinks he's just this announcer dude, but he'd be like, he match Megs. He's like the judge for all the stuff. <laughs> Matt Stryker, man. He's the first Vince man of NXT. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who had said, I think it was uh, the King who had said this, where people thought he was uh, intimidated to do, comp- you know, back in the old days of the first episodes of Raw where people thought he would be intimidated to work with Vince on on commentary. But Lawler said later on, because, you know, of course, he stayed in the commentary position longer than McMahon, that he actually preferred working with Vince out there (laughs) because he wouldn't have Vince in his ear. So (laughs) so that makes a bunch of sense. Yeah. So it actually worked better. He would actually work better when he would do commentary with Vince as opposed to not doing it with him. So. Yeah, it's like he can't nitpick you if he's working with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, after that, we come back from commercial break and Cool are still in the ring with Caval before his match to introduce his, uh, his video package. So I won't get into too much detail because I can't really do his booming voice. <laughs> so I'll just go ahead and play the clip. But I will say that I've never heard a voice before or since like Caval's and I think you would agree me, agree with me right <laughs> in wrestling I for sure I've never heard yeah. a voice like that but like there's this l- rapper named Lil Bibby mm-hmm. and he looks like an actual baby oh, because okay. he has a very young face but his voice is extremely deep mm. just kind of like the same way as Caval's oh, okay. and it's like you would have just never expected this voice to jump out of this dude before this Caval, and I'm from the greatest city on earth. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, New York. I grew up on Fort Hamilton Army Base in Brooklyn. 
My father was stationed there while he was a member of the military. Living on an army base, watching all the recruits and training, be so disciplined was something that I, I carried with me as I grew older. With somebody at my size, I'm usually the underdog simply because I'm outmatched in size, but my heart is just simply unstoppable while I'm in there. I'm not afraid of who's in the ring across from me. It doesn't matter how big or how tough. Let's see if they can weather the storm of intensity that I bring on them. I'm gonna fight them tooth and nail until the end. Yeah, I had here where I really remember him specifically for WWE's B and C shows. Like like Velocity. Velocity, and, uh, Metal. and Oh, did he do a lot of work on those? So I, I wanted to write this down. Maybe I'll send you the link after. Where my favorite low-key match when he was pre-signed to the to the company was a match against Christian on metal where Christian was the European champion at this wow. point. Wow. And uh yeah, it, it was it, it's a mixed feelings match because metal of course and and he at that time were more promotional shows where they were just trying to get over Raw, SmackDown and mm-hmm. the pay-per-views. So the commentary team weren't really paying attention too much to the match, but if you're just watching the match, they're solid matches. And yeah, just Thinking of Christian, who's always really, really good, and Caval, they were wrestling. I think this was maybe early 2000s, this match. Yeah, maybe 2001, 2002. And uh, yeah, they were pretty much working a modern NXT pace mm. for this for this uh, metal match. Nice. Back in the early 2000s. So. Dude, there are some gems of like those encounters like that mm-hmm. where it was just like super indie dude versus somebody on one of these dark match shows yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could pull out some gems man like one of my favorite dark matches that i could find on youtube is uh the minnesota stretching crew oh, versus yeah. whoever they did destroyed where it was uh brock lesnar and shelton benjamin yeah yeah man that's when brock lesnar hit the uh shooting star and shelton benjamin was out there throwing around 450s yeah they were crazy i could have sworn we saw them in a dark match when we went to a live San Jose show. I I I could be wrong, but I, I swear I remember seeing, yeah, both Lesnar and Benjamin and in so a stretching in, yeah, in a dark match before a raw that we went to. But Dude, I would not doubt it. Yeah. You're just kinda like, oh man, what? Yeah. <laughs> After that promo, we we get the first matchup on the card, and it is Alex Riley versus Caval. Lay Cool are on commentary throughout the match. And yeah, right off the bat, Caval is already sticking by his uh, his <laughs> reputation, just landing these really strong kicks in the corner. They're so loud. I, I forgot how loud his kicks were. That's because apparently he is extremely stiff. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> it's something about like, I guess he's, I mean, who did I hear? Like, I remember watching an interview with somebody on YouTube that was talking about how you know, there are some people that are just stiff for that. It's like there's a difference between like strong style stiff and Caval stiff. Mm. And there was something <laughs> about like the way that he was real stiff with his strikes that made people like absolutely hate it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess he was just really known for being like, if he was going to kick you, he was going to kick the tar out of you. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to that dude. Yeah. And. And it makes sense why he was so popular in Japan because they probably love that over there. Yeah, because he acts like a little Japanese dude, but he's like Puerto Rican mm-hmm. from New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's kind of part Filipino too. I, I can't remember. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's 
just one of them little brown people. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He, he could easily be anywhere between Mexican and Filipino, and I would just be like, well, all right. Yeah. There was a there was a part where uh, Riley started getting the upper hand and was attacking Caval in the corner, and the referee was trying to break it up. I I know I heard it wrong, but I thought Riley had told the referee to say it to my face, and I marked out <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but he actually just say stay out of my face. But I was like, oh, they, was oh, he already man, was he, he already <laughs> knew his theme song? <laughs> But I got a little excited, but yeah. <laughs> I did too, because I think I started thinking about that right after. I was like, no, he didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after, after that, I, I really liked the reversal Caval did where when Riley Irish whipped him to the opposite corner, that Caval lifted his legs and did kind of a head scissor, but then afterwards did a mule kick kind of thing. Mm, yeah. It, it looked really cool. And That's like who, because uh, kind of like when people do that and then like uh, throw their face into the turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. But that was cool because he did a mule kick. Yeah. And afterwards, what would you call that move that he did where from he ran up to him from the corner and did like a diving kick and a barrel roll? I, <laughs> I've watched that move like four times. Yeah. I was like, what the heck did you just do to him? It was like, a, um, so picture a, a, like a spinning heel kick turned the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In parkour... If you're going to do something like that, you would call it a tunnel flip. Oh, okay. That's what it looked, it looked like, a tunnel flip kick. Uh-huh. And I'll show you a tunnel flip, like, later, mm-hmm. and then I'll see if that, like, kind of matches up. Because I think it was a tunnel flip yeah, kick. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I I was, I was did the same thing where I may have replayed it, like, twice or three times just to write down my own interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, what the heck did you just do? <laughs> it looked good. That's what nah, it was tight. He did a whole bunch of, like, like I saw, I really liked him around this time. I used to watch all this stuff on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. He just has really cool, a really cool move set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we only got, like, a fraction of what he has in his repertoire. But, like, Caval has a heavy move set. He's got, like, a million different moves. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, based off that kick, I... I thought Lay Cool was kind of funny on commentary where right after that move, Layla told Michael Cole, uh, you know, I taught him or I should say Cole said, oh, you, you taught him that move. And Michelle was like, yeah, of course I did. I'm, I'm a former teacher. So <laughs> just the, the timing of uh, their commentary was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were uh, the Iconics before the Iconics. You know? Oh, my God. They, <laughs> oh, they are. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because I totally forgot about their whole flawless gimmick, too, and, and everything. But, yeah, they they were really good on the mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Riley cuts off Caval's momentum, literally, where he flapped Jackson on the top rope, kind of cutting him off. I mean, on, he got like his whole body tangled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, Caval does a really good of selling, too. So, yeah. I don't think he was selling that one. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, wrapped his leg around the second rope. And, man. Yeah. Little spider web. <laughs> So that takes us into commercial break. And when we come back, Cole tries to uh, put over the Miz, but he realizes that the Miz isn't actually here tonight. <laughs> so uh, in case uh, if you didn't know, the Miz had just won or just regained, I guess, mm-hmm. the uh, U.S. championship on Raw the night before in a fatal four way against the Monday Night Delight. John Morrison, former season one pro r-truth and zach Ryder, so yeah he won the title back but they didn't really explain why 
he was on NXT tonight, but yeah, he was celebrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, from there, uh, I had here that Alex Riley hit a really nice standing boss man black hole slam. <laughs> nice, there we go, black hole slam. Oh, yeah, it is. looked good. They on the replay, I thought looked better. No, yeah, he Caval uh, didn't really need to sell that one because he just got dipped. Yeah, yeah. And he was just in his best interest to bump as correctly as possible because <laughs> he was going for that rivalry. He jumped late too, but it was like, you know, Alex Riley's a strong dude, so he made that one happen. It looked really good. Yeah, yeah. And man. And, and kind of how you were saying, I I totally didn't remember his arsenal and his moveset. And like how you said, he has a really good moveset where I totally forgot about this move too, where Caval hits the sunset flip pin attempt. And then just breaks it up himself because after that he just hits the double foot stomp. Right mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he does a bunch of. He's got a whole bunch of stuff that Finn Balor's doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know who was doing what first because they was about active in like kind of the circuits at the same time. And yeah, I I think Caval may have maybe a four year jump start on mm-hmm. Finn Balor, but I yeah I always, I also forget how long Balor's been in the game too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Caval he uh, I think he. I won't. I don't know if he pioneered it, but he's like the one that popularized that mm. tree of woe double stomp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so whoa. So yeah, he's he's you know he's probably got a he's got a bad reputation with bookers, but in yeah. the ring between the ropes, dude, he's one of one of the really most entertaining dudes to watch. Yeah, he's kind of one of those guys where maybe maybe comparing it to sports athletes where. They may have a bad rep, but you get what you pay for when they're actually doing their craft. Yeah, like T.O. It's kind of a bad rap, but it's like once you get him to do what he's there to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's you know not many like him. Yeah. So the closing sequence was when Caval hit a really nice that barrel roll kick that mm-hmm. he does and set up Riley for the coup de gras. <laughs> nice. But uh, you the know, Warriors the way. Warriors way, uh-huh. which is the diving double stop. But Cole actually followed up with this, which was really good commentary saying that, you know, he's taking too much time to uh, get up to the top rope, mm-hmm. which uh, was really good. Josh also tries to get over Riley's nickname, which is the varsity villain. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, then Caval does go up to the top rope and attempts to hit the Warriors way. But Riley moves out of the way. Caval kind of sells his uh, his ankle a little bit. Yeah, from the landing. Yeah, from the landing. He, you know, he he lands it, but doesn't, you know, take that much damage, but does sell it. And yeah, Riley quickly counters it and hits him with the TKO. <laughs> but uh, he calls it the your You're dismissed. dismissed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, I forgot. You know what I was like realized about TKO like. I really used to like that move a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like 1997. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know, the TKO is such a dated variation of the cutter, I think. Mm-hmm. I just, I like Alex Riley, but I just, I saw it and I was like, oh, you do do the TKO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and and I looked it up and yeah, that's his, has been his only finisher. Man. His whole career. So I, for some reason, thought he had moved on to a different move. But. I, You know, I treat the TKO just like the jumping reverse STO. It's uh, such a, if you have somebody who just doesn't know what their finisher is going to be, you can slap that on them. And it's yeah, yeah. always a, a solid finisher, but it's just so oversaturated. And it's, you really can't do much with the TKO. It's like you swing them and then you fall in the cutter. Yeah, yeah. You can't like, I seen somebody do a, um, like a F5 TKO. Oh, okay. So you know how like with the with the regular TKO, they throw them, what is this, 
like counterclockwise or whatever or yeah, whichever yeah. way and they swing that way yeah. i seen the guy throw him like the other way and then uh, catch him with like the other arm and hit a, a cool. cutter that was dope i was like okay that's a an innovative way to hit that but the regular tko is boring yeah, yeah yeah now like when like mark Merrow and ddp did it back in the day it was really cool it's like well i didn't think of that yeah so yeah yeah now it's like eh. all right you're you're looking for a move yeah <laughs> So yeah, Riley gets the victory at 8.30, and in my opinion, I think this is the best NXT match so far, other than the Brian versus Jericho match on the debut episode, just because kind of how we had mentioned that his his moveset and just the pacing of this match was really, really, you know. Well yeah, done. it was a good match. Like, they came out the gate swinging on this one, and I'm happy that it came, I think, Riley's not super veteran, but he's veteran enough. Yeah, I yeah. mean, at this point, he's a, a former FCW world champion. Too, okay, so, so they definitely feel confident in his abilities to, you know, give him the the main event push. So nice. Yeah. Okay, so he can handle it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's what I really like about this cast. It seems like uh, the either the guys are more equipped to like put on these matches, like they're ready to handle it more, or. It's just that this uh this crop is more veteran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really good it it's interesting because everything that we said about how well the production team is doing this season where they're stepping up their game on the video packages, explaining the concept of the show better, the pacing of it, and same thing now with the cast. I thought that the the season one cast was uh really solid, but now as we're really thinking about the rookies in this pairing it's they're equally as good if not better in some areas because mm, there were there were a lot of guys in season one that didn't really have any character mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah versus yeah. like this one is filled with much more character and different like dynamics like they're different body they're more different body shapes like you know you got this really tall kind of lanky guy you got a short fat guy you yeah, gotta, yeah like you got your little indie dude you got your like big buff black dude you yeah got, so i think the the dichotomy between the the characters and the the superstars in this mm. one is much different versus yeah, yeah, yeah. like everybody was kind of like really buff in the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Stryker comes in and congratulates Riley because the Miz isn't there, <laughs> and uh, so Lay Cool kind of diss Caval, but not really. They stay positive because they say, you know, oh, it's his first match, and we'll coach him to become a a bigger star later on. Stryker then gets feedback from the other pros who are still on stage, which I still really like. And uh, Morrison tries to make fun of the Miz, but just the delivery didn't work out. And even uh, Kofi was trying to back him up, but the fans either just didn't hear him <laughs> or the joke didn't land. And uh, yeah, I had here that there's a reason why the Miz and Morrison team work, you know, the team works so well because they did balance each other out where, of course, Morrison is the better in-ring guy. But the Miz, of course, is the better mouthpiece. And yeah. Oh, that's a classic tag team mm-hmm. trope. Yeah. Where you <laughs> like when you get those two guys that really probably didn't match together. So you get that one guy that's hella good in the ring and that mm-hmm. one guy that's hella good on the mic. That's like classic new age outlaws right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Road Dog and Billy Gunn were pioneers of that back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, Morrison, you know, probably explains why he's a really good star but not the biggest star just because he's never been a mic guy so to speak Mm -hmm. but uh yeah morrison did give both guys their props and said that they did a really good job tonight 
Ryder is uh, Ryder is kind of I had here. Ryder's to me anyway is kind of the CM Punk CM Punk of this season where he's the most in character because he's not really trying to be a, a coach at first. <laughs> you know, that's d- actually the only point I realized that there was a new ring announced. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. "What is he just talking about, Savannah?" And yeah, like, yeah. I I had to like uh, rewind it or move it, and I was like, "That's not Savannah." Yeah, 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 yeah. So and yeah, at that point, I thought they were gonna show her on camera but they still didn't no nah, they're dogging her blood yeah. like no you know what i didn't even like really see her i was like that looked like savannah to me so then i went to your notes clicked on the link and was like who the heck is this <laughs> no love for jamie keys yet so hey sorry miss keys <laughs> after that then we throw it to the broadcast team and they introduce us to eli cottonwood's rookie profile so they describe his you know once they describe his background in this video package now his personality to me kind of makes sense because they kind of go into that his uh dad was in the military and, and mm-hmm. all these other things so it kind of uh makes sense why he kind of acts the way he does so i don't know i have even though it's still early on i i do have mixed feelings on his overall character where he does have some decent mic skills and really good facials they don't match up at times is what I have. I don't think his look matches his, uh, what did I put down? He's, uh, he fills that Darren Young void for me mm, for okay. like, uh, yeah, what is it? yeah. One. What did I put? He, Cottonwood sounds like a very nice fellow. <laughs> his look doesn't. Yeah. His look doesn't match his speech. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but he's very well spoken. Yeah. So yeah. like I was, um, I was like typing something up and I was like, Oh, he like Cottonwood, whatever. Yeah. And then I heard him start speaking at a turn. I was like, Whoa. Yeah. yeah. He's got a good put together voice, but that's it. Yeah, Cause yeah, like yeah. his look is, you know, video game Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I don't, it's like, I, he, what did he say? He's like, you know what? I used to play basketball all over the, yeah, the yeah, country yeah. and then in like different countries but it wasn't physical enough for me yeah. and like immediately i thought to myself you look like you were too uncoordinated to play basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. so you use your height to become a wrestler yeah that may have been a thing because he looks kind of gumpy when he's in the ring but <laughs> yeah yeah you know he's also seven foot not everybody who's seven foot can move around like the undertaker mm-hmm. so yeah because when you think about the other giants like big show his body type is proportioned more balanced i think yeah i kind of give him that advantage that he can be a little bit more mo- mobile mm-hmm. and his body is similar to the great Kali's, i think where it's, yeah you know, like yeah. he just don't got no this is gonna be weird it's like they both those dudes have like no butt yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like <laughs> they because of that they seem off balance yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. it's like they stand up too stiff it's like there's something about them where they can't just brace themselves slightly yeah in the posterior. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to tall dudes with no butt, man. <laughs> it's got to be hard. Like, Yeah. I, yeah, I always, I forget it was uh, maybe a documentary I had watched back in the day when WWE just had their documentaries on DVDs. Oh, I used to love those. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I had watched the big show one. And yeah, I, I feel for giants just trying to, travel man. just trying to be big yeah. like that like man he's a huge person yeah 
Man. Life was not uh, adjusted for you, you know? Heck no. Yeah. Life is not made for nobody over like <laughs> six foot six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get to that six foot six, six, five people still can find clothes and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Six, six and above. Yeah. And if you two wide, two men, it's just a whole new wardrobe for you. But yeah. like, and living conditions. Like, I hop in cars and sometimes I feel too big and I'm like, look, I would hate to be six foot <laughs> anything and above in this car. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. What about the big show? You can't even, like, fly on planes, bro. Yeah, yeah. After that, then we go to commercial and normally I don't do the raw rebounds. Ooh, or you want to talk about Fader 4, right? But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do kind of have to cover this uh, Nexus one here. Yeah, since it's baby. Our, it's our boys from season one. <laughs> so this is literally a week after their debut. And the Nexus start off the show in this recap where they demand Bret Hart, who is the GM of Raw at this point. And uh, he demands that he should sign all of them because <laughs> Barrett has a contract. But the other graduates, mm-hmm. wink, wink, want contracts as well. And uh, Brett doesn't agree and says he won't sign any of them and just fires Barrett. <laughs> yeah. uh, you could do that, I guess. Hell yeah, that's, that's what happened when you GM. Bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after that, then they show that uh, during the main event, or I should say, then they show that later in the night, Cena is in the ring and they, the Nexus come back and try to attack Cena again. But then the rest of the Raw locker room, both heels and faces come out and uh help cena out so i don't know if you remember this but back in the day they had before memes were a big thing <laughs> gif gifts were still the thing mm, i love gifts. <laughs> and uh they showed the gif of uh the pros or i should say the locker room running out the nexus from the uh the arena and they showed uh mark henry chasing after them but they had slater and gabriel kind of running side by side next to him and Mark Henry, I guess, didn't realize it or just probably st- stuck to the script of just chasing Barrett. And he didn't actively try to attack nobody <laughs> else. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But they, they just made it a, a somewhat meme gif back in the day of, uh, yeah, that Henry was so slow that, you know, he was running next to the enemy and didn't do anything mm-hmm. about it. He reminded me of that, uh, that, um, that rhino and Jumanji. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, so from there, later in the night, they show that uh, the Nexus do end up attacking Bret Hart and shove him into a limo. And then they drive their own limo into that limo, which is kind of weird. <laughs> they say that they want an answer about their contracts by this Sunday at uh, Fatal 4-Way. And, you know, I, <laughs> I, again, have mixed feelings with this kind of... Uh, segment too where this is just one week after they made the nexus look like badasses and they didn't look like badasses in this so you know i think they could have done it a better way but hey give us what we want yeah no you're fired (laughs) that's it (laughs) what man But yeah. So you saying we shouldn't have rioted <laughs> or demanded contracts? We could. Mm. Gotcha. Damn it! You are Canadian. Violence is never the idea. Yeah. Like, well, you guys didn't play the album right, Nexus. Yeah. Ah, come on. <laughs> so then, yeah, the uh, 
the commentators kind of react to that whole recap and then go over the matches at Fatal 4-Way. Then we get a really short uh, recorded segment from earlier with Titus and Ryder. They kind of just show them interacting backstage and uh, showing respect to each other and just saying, you know, that they had lost their cool, but it's all about respect and uh, they kind of make up. So there wasn't much to it, but I do appreciate that they at least followed up with the storyline that they were that they started last week. So, yeah, I liked it. It was very like a diesel, like pervert camera to like <laughs> the, G- the GTV camera, yeah, the little like GTV camera. Like, oh, man, let's spy on them. What are they doing? They were just having a normal conversation. Yeah. So I think the uh, I mean, but, you know, they didn't really have nothing else at the time, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> They they made it seem like something crazy was about to happen. Yeah, oh yeah. my god, what's he doing over there? Where Gold does that? Yeah, yeah. Like, so the, I I always just remember Valvinus and Big Show, and they call you the Big Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite GTV. Oh my god, moment. GTV. That is a blast from the past. <laughs> I forgot all about that one. Oh god, I hate you. Oh gross. All right, and then. Next, we have, of course, probably the highlight of the whole episode, and I'll I'll let you get into more of your uh, reaction to oh, it. Oh, let's go, baby. We get the uh, famous Husky Harris rookie profile video. Come on, man. My name is Husky Harris, and I'm from Brooksville, Florida. I remember being a little kid. Teacher would ask everyone, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? And when they call on me, I'd say, I am going to be in the WWE. They chuckle and laugh who's laughing now you know what i'm saying <laughs> i am a third generation superstar blackjack mulligan is my grandfather and my father mike rotunda the irs man i always had to live in this giant shadow in a very small town now i'm ready to just step out of that shadow i've been waiting for this for a long time what did you uh what did you think of this? i love every minute of it <laughs> and then uh, you know what i feel like i was watching it all over again because i was getting a little excited but i feel like since this time i had the hindsight of who he is i was really excited mm-hmm. because i remember seeing this back in the day like who the hell is this dude yeah and then like he explained who he was and then he said his football coach uh-huh. said that he was like a army tank with a ferrari engine and then i was hooked yeah and i'm like hooked all over because i'm like wow and then it you know he's fast yeah like, yeah he's, dude he's, that splash he did last week holy dude, crap dude he's fast he's this little fat dude that's hell fast yeah and yeah it's i would have never guessed that he will evolve the way that he did but now having the hindsight and mm-hmm. what i know about him it was right there in your face. Yeah. It was like, wow. And that's what, you know what? He's a testament of, I guess, commitment to trying different things, but at the same time, staying himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's the same dude in each form, but it's still just him. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's really cool. Um, And I don't know. I just, his name is stupid. <laughs> I think you know what kills me about like acknowledging second generation or third generation guys. Yeah, yeah. Is when their name is nothing like yeah, yeah. the you know the lineage that they came down from. It's like yeah, man, you know, black check, black check Mulligan, Mulligan is my uh, you know my granddaddy, and <laughs> my daddy's IRS, and then you know man, and these my uncles like Barry Windham, and yeah, it's yeah. like I'm Husky Harris. Yeah, yeah. I 
I'll give yeah, I'll give Harris, you know, his his negative points there, but I will give McGillicuddy positive points later on, but I'll get to that later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just to close out the Husky Harris thing, I appreciated that over the summer with the whole Bray Wyatt Firehouse uh fun Firefly Fun House? Yes, fire uh Firefly <laughs> Fun House. Yeah, yeah. I appreciated how all of his uh puppet characters were based off his previous gimmicks. Yeah. So I really appreciate that they went with Husky Harris in that one too. With Huskus, I think they called it. Yeah, them. come on, man. You can't deny Husky Harris yeah, out of Bray Wyatt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so. can't play us like that. The audience is way too smart for that. We always it's like that's like if you tried to deny that Mark Henry was sexual chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. cannot. Yeah. The Hall of Pain happened. It was great. But that came from sexual chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, after that, we get the main event, which is the tag match. And we get Perfect in Paradise. Mm. (laughs) Kofi Kingston and Michael McGillicuddy versus Lucky Cannon and Mark Henry. And, you know, we go to commercial break and we come back. It was uh, Cole says Cole brought up a really good point where with this match happening now, all the rookies have competed at least once now. Nice. So it was cool because he said that the pros now have a better idea of how to judge them, which I thought was really good. Uh, good analysis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I was going to save it for the fun facts, but yeah, with this match also, all the pros have competed except lay cool because you know, they, they can't, they can't yeah. <laughs> and, they arrest each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the only one that hasn't competed was the Miz. And, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So I think that was probably a clause in his contract that, you know, if I'm going to come back as the only returning coach. I ain't really trying to be wrestling like that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Henry and Kofi look like they're going to start off the match. But then, uh, yeah, he actually wants to face uh, McGillicuddy instead. So he tags out. And, uh, yeah, Henry gets the advantage right off the bat with these strong shoulder tackles and uh, hits him with a gorilla press slam which i haven't seen in a good while either <laughs> ain't nobody doing gorilla presses like that no more yeah right? yeah maybe what Strowman? oh maybe. maybe Strowman. yeah yeah maybe no uh nah yeah maybe Strowman. yeah <laughs> maybe bobby lashley yeah i'm thinking maybe lashley lashley Strowman, and uh cruz if he wrestles oh, yeah, anybody's yeah. small enough where they let him yeah yeah that's true but yeah i was i was thinking oh cool i haven't i haven't seen one of those in a while so gorilla press baby underrated yeah so Henry tags in Lucky after that. And yeah, I, I think this is why I thought he looked a little green because he was doing a lot of fundamental moves like a body slam. Mm, I know. didn't know he was that young, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about how. Yeah. I didn't know he was a baby. Yeah. Him and uh, Bray were the same age at this point. That's crazy. So uh, this was kind of anticlimactic, too, where Josh asked Cole, you know, why do they call him Lucky? Because. At the end of season one and last week's episode, Cole has been kind of building up this uh, Lucky Cannon story. So I'll play the clip. Lucky Cannon, six foot five, 238 pounds. Why is he lucky? Quickly into the cover, hook of the leg, and a kick out. I'll tell you why he's lucky. At 21 years old, he helped a buddy of his who was in trouble. He was being attacked, and uh, Lucky Cannon got hit in the head with a steel bar. He was in a coma for a number of weeks, lost 45 pounds in a what he's doing today indeed lucky i thought they were gonna save his his story for For his video yeah 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 but then uh, cole just kind of just says it he um 
Something about him being in a coma. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. That was it. Yeah, he was like in a coma and then he like came out of it. Yeah. So I guess he was lucky from there. Yeah. But but then yeah, it, it was kind of a thing that they just said it during a match where probably most people wouldn't catch it. Yeah. So I, I thought they were yeah, we're gonna save it for his video promo, but <laughs> I'm sure it would sound much better if Lucky Cannon himself said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kinda I don't know about you. This is kinda going in uh in a tangent here. Lucky. But uh this kind of reminded me of when, you know, when friends and family go to your say your wedding or you go to a friend's wedding and then now with the age of social media those uh friends and family post pictures and videos about your wedding first before ah yeah it's felt like that where kind of how you said like cole just kind of said his story without lucky actually saying it first it's kind of like yeah uh, i got a real life example of this shit too so like when we went to espadas for my birthday Uh like uh one of my homeboys getting married right yeah and he was supposed to break it to one of my other homeboys that he was going to be the best man oh. and his cousin ruined it and he was like <laughs> he like he like walks up to him and he's like he puts his hand on his shoulder he's like so man how you feel being the best man and then this fool's like what yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like oh he ain't told you yet yeah, and he was yeah. like no and I was just looking at him like blood yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just killed the whole thing yeah cause that oh I I guess it may to me anyway I don't have all the the story and the the background when people do it maybe the groom and the bride do give their blessing but to me I just feel maybe I'm a little old school in that sense where I feel that it it should be up to the couple when they kind of showcase what it is yeah, yeah. that's kind of like if <laughs> that's like you know if somebody just had a baby and was yes. like hey man uh. You shouldn't even have to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you in the hospital with him, you take a picture. It's like, oh man, my new nephew born. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah, dude, <laughs> that's my kid. It's like, what, bro? You can't do that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to bless the world. Yeah. Like, what are you? So he, Michael Cole just like ruined his like big moment. Yeah. yeah he yeah. set it up and he ruined it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, man, his story is so great. Oh man, it's so great. So tell me about that story. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what, Josh? You shouldn't even ask. Yeah, yeah. Whoever told Josh to ask that really effed that up. <laughs> ask him about Lucky Cannon. Yeah. <sighs> well, hopefully it redeems itself once we watch his video package sometime <laughs> in the future. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway, so after that, McGillicuddy does get advantage with some really nice arm drags. And, of course, how we had mentioned that uh, McGillicuddy is really fundamentally solid overall. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tags out to Kofi, and I forgot how over Kofi was at this point, too. The crowd is really behind Kofi throughout this whole match as well. This is where I kind of have to give Josh the automatic point for commentary tonight. Nice. Because he also... So this is one I do appreciate that they kind of just throw it out there. He kind of low-key, and when I mean low-key, I don't mean Senshi. <laughs> Damn it. Or Cabal. I should say... Uh, Sneaky, <laughs> sneakily kind of gets in there that uh, McGillicuddy actually gets in his name and he inherits his name from his mother's maiden name. So now I understand why he calls himself McGillicuddy. That's questionable because I looked it up. 
Oh, and really? <laughs> because it, I looked it up and it said that I looked up Mr. Uh, I looked up Mr. Perfect, yeah. Kurt Hennig, and it said that he married a woman named Lanice Leonard. Uh-huh. And they had kids. And Joseph was one of them. Uh-huh. So I'm like, wait a minute. Your mother's maiden name was Leonard, unless there's uh-huh. extra names in here. Unless that, like, I don't know, like his grandmother's maiden name was like McGillicuddy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it's his mother's family's maiden name. Oh, okay. So, like, his mother, his mom's mom's last name is probably, like, McGillicuddy, and most of their family is or something like that. And then, like, the, you know, the mom's mom married into a Leonard family or something like that. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's probably it, then. Maybe that's it. Because I was like, wait a minute. This makes too much sense. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on, Playboy. You mean tell me all his names go pay homage or something? Yeah, yeah. Slow it down. Yeah. But if he did, then I got to give McGillicuddy even more props because he's done it his whole career. You know, I just, I can't believe it. I just, (laughs) I don't. I feel like it's just way too coincidental that he would want to use that maiden name and then, uh, be like, um, you know what, we're gonna do this. That's kinda like um Dolph Ziggler. Oh he said he got that Dolph shit from like his grandfather. No, they call him Dolph because he looks like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Zig Ziggler mixed together yeah, perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> trying to play me. I think they're trying to play us, Nando. I think they're trying to play us. All right. Well, we'll do more research <laughs> after the show. But for now, I'll give Josh an extra point for now. All right. And you, I, you give him that because somebody may be feeding him lies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the uh, in the closing sequence, we have Lucky trying to hit a crossbody from the second turnbuckle. Oh, yeah. But he uh, unfortunately crashes and burns. Whiffed. And uh, then McGillicuddy, out of nowhere, from the corner, really hits a quick McGillicutter. Is yeah, that, that's what he calls it. Yeah, the McGillicutter. Yeah, the running one arm swinging neck breaker. It's like a swinging, swinging neck breaker. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like there's an extra swing to it. Yeah, it looked amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because like you, I think you bump for it normal. Yeah, but the person doing it has to spin and spin back. Uh, so like that person's really doing all the hearts of the person bumping just like. You bump like a normal swinging neck breaker, but it's on. Oh yeah, it's right. on the timing to make it look good. Because if they go off and yeah, then yeah. you're still doing this weird spinny thing, yeah. It's like I remember uh, somebody tried to do it to me in, in training, and then like it was just way off. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we were like, how did it look? And then the other dude's like, it looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give Lucky his credit too, because since he is pretty green, he he did it. The well. timing for that was perfect. Yeah, so yeah. like, I'm not saying he not he didn't do anything because he still had to have that good timing. Yeah. But like his bump was not like he had to bump anything different outside of a swinging neck breaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the swinging neck breaker, it's since he was running at him, it was a lot faster. So like he didn't have that like, oh, oh, he's falling out. All right, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it, it looked good. I always like that move. Yeah. It's the McGillicuddy. <laughs> the McGillicuddy. <laughs> <laughs> of course he had the pull call it that <laughs> oh my god so clever <laughs> so yeah he he gets the victory at eleven fifty five. i can't believe i'm saying that number as i'm reading that out i know right? it's a nice long match <laughs> yeah so uh yeah right afterwards striker continues to get feedback from the pros on the match and uh kofi said yeah he was very impressed with his rookie henry and lucky uh do a baby face move and they give him the handshakes after the match, mm-hmm. which uh, 
look really classy. <laughs> Henry is uh, also very proud of uh, Lucky's performance. And yeah, I, I thought he did a really good job. And how I mentioned throughout the whole match, he did a, a lot of fundamental moves. But, you know, if he's out there really just learning on the job, I think he did a good job. So Yeah, no, that was it was a good match. I um I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Mark Henry out there being the world's biggest homie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then uh, I got a whole bunch of little notes from this match. So I got like Mark Henry's out there being the world's biggest homie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I had just realized right now that Kofi Kingston had been wrestling in sneakers for years. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. just having matching like kick pads. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know. <laughs> I'm starting calling the McGillicuddy Butter McGillicuddy because he's so smooth. <laughs> But a McGillicuddy with the McGillicutter. <laughs> it's just McGilly everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got to live up to that perfect in, uh, Hey, man, perfect, perfect in paradise, movies. baby. You got to be perfect with your sneakers and your moves. <laughs> I'm going to make it my job this season to get perfect in paradise as a hashtag and get it over. <laughs> perfect in paradise. I'm telling you, baby. Come on, man. You know Curtis Axel is going to give us some likes on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to... I got to. We must play this correctly. (laughs) So, uh, but then we get the evil AEW man, as I'm going to call him throughout the rest of the season. (laughs) Cody says that Lucky has a really dumb look on his face. (laughs) I I had to laugh at that just the way, because I said it with a straight face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, the. The bigger insults are just the most juvenile ones. You know what I mean? You big idiot. I think those, you know what? (laughs) I remember one of my friends called me a low life one time and it like hurt my feelings. I was like, bro, you just called me a low life? Yeah. He was like, what do you mean, man? I called you a bitch like three minutes before that. I was like, but it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. You called me a low life. Yeah. To me, yeah, I would take offense if someone said I had a dumb look on my face compared to calling me a slang or yeah you know what I'm saying it's like what do you mean I got a dumb look on my face yeah yeah (laughs) it's my face bro I can't help that (laughs) (laughs) so so Cody you know doing amazing heel work here and getting yeah the crowd super invested already and uh he he calls him out on his background and saying that you know he has all style but no substance yep and then, uh, yeah, big homie Henry kicks in <laughs> and defends him, saying that, you know, he's hurt enough and that uh, Cody should really put his money where his mouth is. He should go one on one against Lucky. And the crowd, yeah, popped for that one because it's funny how, you know, same thing I was just saying, like when you have good mannerisms and believable mic skills like MVP and Mark Henry do. You can really get the fans invested, and yeah, because at that point, it don't matter what you said; it's mm-hmm. just like you saying it because they believe in you. Yeah, and whatever you got to say is like MVP successfully rallied everybody mm-hmm. behind them to justify that they beat these guys up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know what? We just beat the dog crap out of y'all, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? And the same thing with Henry; he's not <laughs> saying anything super complex he's just saying old catchphrases like putting your money where your mouth is yeah but the way he delivered it and was telling that story to you know make uh put over lucky cannon at that point it's because so, he an og mm-hmm. you just feel it seeping through his pores yeah yeah, yeah. it's like yep there's a lot of wisdom in what he's saying mm-hmm. so uh yeah after that then uh the the rest of the pros also did a really good job on the stage selling their reactions where I, I had Ryder, MVP, and Laycool having good facials and really showing that they were interested in this challenge as mm-hmm. well. Stryker runs up to the stage to Cody to get his answer. 
And <laughs> I don't know if you caught it, but Morrison in the background was yelling, yeah, don't, don't let him, uh, don't get punked out by Lucky or something like that. So <laughs> I thought it was, a, it was a really nice touch. Cody says Lucky would be, or I should, let me rephrase that. Cody says that Cannon would be lucky if he lasted five minutes with him mm-hmm. and uh, accepts the challenge, but says that give him to give him a week to prepare. And Stryker says, you know, what can we expect from you if you uh, are getting a week to prepare for this match? And then Cody just says, oh, well, uh, you can expect and looks like he's about to walk away, but then blast. Wham! <laughs> just, you expect these hands. That's what you'd expect, baby. Don't you ever turn your back on an insurgent. <laughs> Crazy. Striker did a good job of just diving and falling off the stage. Yep, he took that like a good ref bump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised Striker isn't a referee. Yeah. <laughs> That would uh and he looked like he would have had the natural progression to a referee too. Mm-hmm. He got a referee looking on his face. Yeah, yeah. But he he the Omni Lord, so yeah. <laughs> he he runs that stuff. <laughs> so then all the coaches afterward, or I should say Cody walks away, and then all the pros come out to help out Striker. Yeah, that's how we close out the show. So to me, yeah, this uh between this episode and the first episode, it was uh night and day. I Yeah, it was pretty much you literally said the exact words I had on the tip of my tongue. That it was night and day because I was extremely entertained in this episode. Mm-hmm, totally. I'll just do some one quick fun fact because you know, I didn't want to repeat myself with uh saying that this was the first pro and rookie match and etc. Since we had already done that with season one. Nice. But uh, just this episode, yeah, it did really good in wrestling where it had 20 minutes and 25 seconds of wrestling. And it had a 44% ratio at that point. Nice. Doing a really good job to start off. Uh, Did you want to kick us off with the scoring? Man, I do. So commentary, I went uh, went 3.5. Oh, nice. I was um, was pretty entertained of... Uh, the little banter that Lake will have mm. with Josh and Cole. Yeah. So, but I didn't want to go four because I didn't think it was that entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I only actually went three. I didn't go four because uh, the Omni Lord, like, he comes off kind of corny sometimes with me. So I'd loop him in with uh, commentary. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Stryker took that from being a four. Um, but the matches, I went four. Ooh, okay. Um, those were two quality matches, I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a very fast paced affair with uh Riley and Caval. So that was a good match. Um production, I didn't really see too much out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um I I keep production pretty average just because the theme song and the intro just so after they showed like the the package from last week and then you get this menacing like image of like mark henry standing over whoever he yeah, gave the yeah. world's strongest slam to it and it goes we uh and then like <laughs> when it kicks over to that it just kick, killed the seriousness so i was like all right we're never wild and young again yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I that you just get a three there yeah. but despite that the episode i gave a four for entertainment oh, nice, nice. because i was very entertained from like start uh to finish with this episode like yeah. the matches were good the commentary the banter was good yeah yeah, yeah. um you know like striker got clobbered at the end he took that like a champ that was entertaining so i i enjoyed it my match that i enjoyed the most was probably good old uh mcgillicuddy mm-hmm. I, okay. I think uh, i think mcgillicuddy is going to be pretty hard to beat when it yeah, comes yeah. to matches he might be like my guy that's like you know what i like it and I really like Caval, and yeah. I'd like that match with Riley, but like McGillicuddy's, I thought that match with Kingston, and then like I thought that one was put together the 
the best mm, okay. with what they had to work with. Like I thought it was a really good learning experience for uh for Canon. Yeah. As well as the same time, a good experience and a good chance for McGillicuddy to show how solid he is. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So for me, very similar scores. To me, I uh I gave commentary a four. Nice. Just because, yeah, I appreciated the uh the McGilla knowledge, I would call it. <laughs> Ooh, the McGilla knowledge. <laughs> Some some of the exact same points that you said with the uh, the commentary with Laycool and just kind of getting everyone's gimmicks over throughout the matches, they did a really strong thing. And I think it helped that this week they didn't really have to put as much emphasis with the Nexus storyline. So it finally gave them an opportunity to tell the story for each of the rookies. Nice. And uh, yeah, I think they did a really good job. And, you know, they laid out what the show was about the mm-hmm. week before, too. So they didn't have to waste any time there. They exactly. kind of got to go straight to what the business was. Yeah. Uh, for me, matches, I kind of just divided the two of them where I had given Riley and Caval a four and I gave the tag match a three. So overall, I gave it a 3.5. Nice. So, yeah, for me, Riley and Caval were the match of the episode just because I think it's more of just uh, the 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 match and the move set of Kaval just feeling fresh to me. Mm. So for now, I'm giving it high points just because you know I really enjoyed it and am grading it based on just watching it again nice. and reliving it. And uh, yeah, I I hope that they eventually get to that Kaval versus McGillicuddy match because oh baby, oh that to me well, that. Watch it be like one of those matches that's cut short because they have a stupid game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, to me, that was similar to uh, last season when it was Gabriel versus Slater. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to that match. And yeah, they just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to dead that one. <laughs> uh, production, I felt the exact same way that you did. I gave it a three. The video packages were good this week, but I was impressed a little bit more with last week's because I think... With the uh, the Riley one really set the bar as far as that one was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the ones that they did this week were good, but either it was up to the wrestler to try to make themselves more of a character, or the video package just didn't uh, convey that enough. But mm. you know, I think overall it still did a really good job. And yeah, I'll combine my matches with my overall entertainment and gave it a three point five as well. Nice because. Just like you mentioned, I think overall the pacing of this episode was really well done where they did a combination of uh, giving us longer matches and progressing the storyline as well. So, you know, really, really well done throughout Mm. the whole episode. You know what I try to do when I watch my episodes, too? I try to um, I try to reproduce the same environment. Mm. So I try to. um, This is probably terrible, but I watch all my episodes kind of at the same time. At work. Oh, okay. So, like, I figure I kind of, I'm kind of doing the same thing. So, I should be generally in the same mood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't want to be like, you know, like eating a burger and then watching a match because then, like, I might be extra excited. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll think about it differently. Or, like, yeah, I don't want to be like, you know, on the bus watching the the, the, the matches or nothing like that because then I'm going to be like, all right, I only have a little bit of time to watch this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't give my full attention. I'm getting a headache. Yeah. So, I try to reproduce the environment. That way I give the scores the same, but, you know, just going off what you said initially before we gave the scores, this episode was like like night and day. Yeah. It yeah. was just way better than the first one. It, totally. Cool. So with our combined scores, we gave this episode a 
3.5, which is really good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's only a half point more than the last episode, but the high points for this episode were like way not way better but they were just superior than you know the last episode stuff so uh the production was better in the in the last episode i guess because it was you know the rehash it was Mm -hmm. fresh yeah but the matches and the commentary were stepped up and that's something that like that really goes on the talent yeah yeah, yeah. so that's why i really appreciate this episode because it seems like the talent stepped up yeah and yeah kind of how we were saying that Overall, they're just starting to get their groove and they're only two episodes in. So mm-hmm. I hope that they do actually continue the momentum and that from what we had talked about earlier, where for me, I just really remember the personalities. But I hope now revisiting these episodes that the the matches actually step up and improve over season one as well. I think we're going to get some good matches out of this season. Yeah. Like, yeah. did it's bound to have those obligatory short matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I even think the quick sprints are going to be kind of fun this this season. Yeah, for sure. We'll give you a main event preview of the next episode. And they kind of said it towards the end where it will be Cody Rhodes going up against Lucky Cannon in the first ever NXT five minutes challenge match. So... And this is also kind of a combination where it will be the first time in this season that a pro will go up against a rookie in a one-on-one match. So nice. Yeah. It'll be interesting because kind of what we just said where uh, Lucky is a little bit more green. So we'll probably be counting on Cody to kind of help him out throughout the match. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Nice. Cool. And that will close us out for this episode uh yeah did you have any plugs for this episode i do not how about yourself you know what i will uh kind of give a shout out to the guys that we were kind of complimenting and uh go with mark henry and mvp just because i i kind of agree with the uh the mentorship level that they've had and you know mark henry kind of has this role now in in modern wwe but yeah, I just forgot how well spoken they were on the mic, so I'm gonna just give them a uh, a shout out for no reason. <laughs> nice, no reason or all the reason in the world. All the reason in the world. <laughs> I should clarify that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that does it for us. And just a, another quick reminder: if you want to kind of catch up on season one, in case if this is your first time listening, thank you once again. And we have all of our season one episodes archived on our backlog on spotify podbean and youtube and also google podcasts and with that we'll say good night good morrow is that is that a word is that a phrase not anymore no. uh, nobody's saying good morrow mm. i'm not even sure if anybody actually did no. <laughs> <laughs> well that kills us but i mean you can have a good morrow if you want it okay you can have good morrow. You can have good blood. You can have good bone marrow. You can have good. Good morrow Ronaldo. <laughs> See, you can have good morrow Ronaldo's. You can have good Mauricio's. Uh. <laughs> you can have all that, Playboy. You can have it. You can have that and then some. Stay tuned to Have K NXT. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>